welcome to the College Football Bros, the podcast with as many five stars as Georgia. And now, here are your hosts, Michael, Ryan, and Trey Newman. Welcome to the College Football Bros podcast. I am Michael Newman, and I'm joined by the brother who was a lovely groom last weekend. That would be me, Ryan Newman. And by the other brother, who friend of the podcast Frank Mortensen thinks looks like a young Jim Nance. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> Trey Newman here. Hello, friends. Uh, there you go. Uh, all right. So our last episode was a 69 for 69 about Tim Tebow. Got a little weird there, Mike. It got a little weird. Um, yep. If you liked it, that's great. If you didn't. <laughs> that's okay too we're getting back to football today uh but before we start talking about the sec east which is our topic we want to let everyone know that next week we are doing an all mailbag episode about the upcoming 2018 season so we need questions we need serious questions maybe a few nonsense ones and there's a few different ways you can send those in the preferred way is to leave a voicemail that will play on the podcast and the phone number for that is 260 cfb bros so that's 260-232-2767 and that just goes to a, a google voicemail box so you can call it anytime any day uh go ahead if you're listening right now stop what you're doing send us a question if you don't want to hear your voice on the podcast if you're a little shy like ryan <laughs> then you can send in questions on twitter at cfb bros you can email us at collegefootballbros at gmail.com all right all right we ready to do this yeah, let's. Well, we can't. We can't because we actually have some national news to get to before the SEC East. Yeah. Let's talk about the Urban Meyer situation. It continues to drag on. We, of course, have Brett McMurphy's reports. And now Jeff Snook, an Ohio State grad and former journalist, also took to Facebook with some quotes from Courtney Smith's estranged mother, essentially dragging Courtney through the mud. Uh, he also posted that he confirmed that Tom Herman was the tipster which made Twitter just go crazy for like a half hour. Uh, but he didn't really provide a ton of evidence that that's true. McMurphy and Herman both denied it. And then it came out later that Zach Smith also had a DUI arrest in 2013 that he claims he kept a secret. It's just one big mess. Yep. But what are your guys' big picture thoughts uh, on this situation as it stands now? It just it looks like Ohio State is trying to do everything they can to to make an excuse to keep Urban Meyer and that he didn't know anything about most of these situations. I mean, there just doesn't seem like they're concerned about Courtney Smith and the fact that she was continuously abused. Because uh, when you say that, when you say Ohio State, okay. are you you just talking about the fans or or some most, fans? Yeah, it's true. Some fans, people like Jeff Snook, and it's just um, I even think maybe the like the, the reason why it's taken so long is because they're trying to discredit it. You know, they're not making a rush decision. They're doing their investigating. They want to try to find reasons why a Meyer should stay, if that makes sense. That's very cynical of you, Ryan. Well, I'm a very cynical guy. <laughs> but, to, I mean, this whole um, Jeff Snook thing and coming out with Tom Herman saying that he encouraged Courtney Smith to come out with this stuff publicly, my response to that is like, who cares if Tom Herman did do that? Like, that doesn't mean Courtney Smith wasn't abused. That doesn't mean Zach Smith or Urban Meyer were right about anything. If anything, Herman Meyer, I mean, Tom Herman did the right thing saying, hey, you need to speak up about this. Don't keep it a secret. Speak up. So I don't get the whole, what, like, so what if Herman did that? 
Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say Urban should be fired or not, but I'm just not really buying his excuses of saying that he didn't know about these things. We all know he's someone that is so meticulous, like like most good head coaches are. It's just really hard to believe that he didn't know about the the DUI and especially after him saying that he didn't know about the domestic violence, but then he did, but then he wasn't prepared to answer, yada, yada, yada. And, yeah. and he got to be totally naive to think that he didn't know. And we also know, we also know that his wife was always texting Smith's wife. So again, so if he didn't know at school, he knew it at home. And, you know, Urban, he's a top three coach. He's amazing. But I just don't see why he kept this Zach Smith, a wide receiver coach, around for so long. I mean, do, what does he have on Urban? Yeah, I mean, maybe it's just that, yeah, that Earl Bruce connection. But yeah, I agree with you guys. We have enough information to know that Zach Smith is not a guy you want on your staff. So <laughs> no, we'll just wait to hear, you know, what Urban knew when he knew it, what he did about it. Um, but I kind of agree with you guys. It seems like we're all... I think last time we podcasted, it was kind of right after yep. the situation, and we were thinking that Urban might be fired, because that was just kind of the general gut feel from everybody at the time. But I think we're all thinking that he is a favorite to come back, probably a big favorite. At this point, yeah, I'd have to say so. All right, our next story is that Maryland head coach DJ Durkin has been placed on administrative leave in response to questions about the death of offensive lineman Jordan McNair from heat stroke, which Maryland has now taken responsibility for, and also an ESPN report of a toxic culture under Durkin and strength and conditioning coach Rick Court, who has since been fired. Uh, what are your guys' reactions to, to this story? So we, we obviously know that there was something wrong with the strength and conditioning program, you know, since, since someone passed away due to it. Uh, but the, the berating of players without knowing any, any facts, it probably occurs around the country more than, than we know. Yeah. I'm not saying it's, it's right at all, but my whole thing with this particular story is that if ESPN didn't do this report, was Maryland just not going to do anything? You know, they, they announced obviously that they, they let Rick Court go and they're saying they're at fault, but. And now they're doing an investigation, but why didn't the death of a student and player kickstart this for Maryland Brass earlier? Yeah, I, I completely agree with that, Trey. Th this whole situation to me is a complete embarrassment, not only for DJ Durkin, but the entire program in the university. Um, it's been over two months since Jordan McNair passed away. And like you said, they're just now taking responsibility, like two months later. And it's only, it's a reaction. It's not, they weren't taking a proactive response to it. Um, they got caught and now they're, now they're reacting to it and it's too late to me. I think Durkin needs to go. I think some, some changes need to be made, um, at the university starting at the top. I mean, this is, if there was ever a case of lack of institutional control, I think this would qualify. I mean, a young man died because of their lack of control. Um, it, to me, it doesn't get worse. Uh, it's a frust, it's a situation that really infuriates me and it's just totally embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, you guys are right. The ESPN story did seem to, at least speed up their response to this whole situation. It's not as if they weren't investigating before, but it definitely is odd timing that suddenly they, they come out and, and make these changes. And, you know, just a, just a weird story with the culture there. Apparently they forced one player to overeat until he vomited because they were trying to get him to gain weight. Another player, they wanted to lose weight and they forced him to eat candy bars while watching other players work out just to embarrass him, I guess. So, you know, just, yeah, not the kind of culture you want on a college campus. Um, and 
because DJ Durkin doesn't have the cachet of Urban Meyer, yeah, it definitely seems like he's in major, major jeopardy. He's gone. All right, let's uh, let's get to the SEC East. Let's move on from those not fun stories, and we'll start with an edition of Call Me Crazy, but Ryan, why don't you get us started? Okay, call me crazy, but I think the SEC East will finish the season with three teams ranked inside of the top 25. Now, you have Georgia, of course, so that's one. Uh, And then I think between South Carolina, Florida, and Missouri, two out of those three will sneak into the top 25 at the end of the year. And I think it's going to be Missouri and South Carolina. I think those are the two that might might sneak in. They're not going to be top 15 or anything, but I think they'll do just enough to get in. I like where you're going, but I just don't see it. The The imbalance of the conference will prevent it. They're going to beat each other in the East, and then they're just not going to succeed against the West. So I really only see two teams potentially finishing in the top 25. Yeah, I mean, in the preseason coaches poll, Georgia is the only team that's ranked, but South Carolina 26th, Florida's 27th, so they're right there. I'm also high on Missouri, Ryan, but... I think it's going to end up being two. So I guess I'm saying you're crazy. Um, I think between those those three schools that are kind of on the bubble, I think only one of them's going to get in because, you know, as we'll get to, there's major questions on each of those teams. And then, like Trey said, it's it's you know it's a zero sum game. They're they're playing each other. So I think you know it's going to be hard for for two of the three to to crack the top twenty five. Okay, call me crazy, but I think South Carolina will beat Georgia on September eighth. I, I've just had this weird feeling on this one the whole offseason. Everyone's hyping Georgia, but this is early in the year. Columbia is going to be rocking. It's a chance for South Carolina to take that next step under Muschamp. And, you know, I remember a few years back when South Carolina beat Alabama early in the season in a similar situation. The, it was, the place was electric. They, they pulled it off. Now, I understand that Spurrier team in particular might have been maybe better overall, but I think they're catching Georgia in a good spot this season. Yeah, I don't think you're crazy. Um, I think we would all agree that Georgia is, is about to be a powerhouse. I guess they you could say they already are. They went to the playoff last year, went to the national championship. But I'm thinking this year, if there's going to be one year in the next five or six that they are a little bit down, maybe it's this year. They lost a decent amount on defense. And those that you know that number one recruiting class they're just freshmen right now. Even two years ago, they had the number three class. But once those guys become kind of juniors and seniors, then I think they're just going to roll through the SEC. But for now, I think they could lose a couple games in the SEC. Yeah, I agree with you guys. Um, it's I don't think you're crazy at all for saying that, Trey. South Carolina should be pretty solid this year. I mean, I, I think they're they have a, a good season ahead of them, and the game's in Columbia, so I could see them pulling off the upset. Why not? I really, I really didn't think you guys would agree with me. I mean, they're they're catching like. I mean, I don't think they will, but it's possible. Yeah, I would pick Georgia. Yeah, but yeah, okay. I don't think it's crazy. No. I think yeah. What what's the spread in that game? I I think I've I looked... seen like I want to say just under two touchdowns. You know, like eleven somewhere between eleven and fourteen was last. I, I yeah can't. yeah, it's not crazy. Yeah yeah. All right, call me crazy, but I think Georgia will win the next five SEC East titles. <laughs> so even though I just got done saying I'm a little bit lower on them this year than most people, yeah. they're still the massive favorite in the East. And then if you look at their recruiting compared to the rest of the of the division, it's not even close. So if we're counting 2019, which of course the class is not done yet, but let's count that. Georgia's brought in 15 five stars the last three years. The rest of the SEC East combined, 
three. So I just really don't see anyone taking them down anytime soon. Five is hard to do. I mean, I, th- I I'm calling you crazy here, Mike. That's that's just a long time. Not even Alabama under Nick Saban has been able to achieve that. And the most he's made in a row is just three. He hasn't even got to four. So I don't see it happen. I think Dan Mullen at Florida might have something to say about that in the next five years. And then there's going to be one other team that that perks up. Maybe South Carolina uh, under Muschamp. But I just five is really hard to do year in year out. I think you're crazy here. They, you know, Georgia, they look like a juggernaut for sure on this side of the SEC. I, I totally get that. Obviously, you touched on the recruiting, but I kind of agree with Ryan in the sense that I feel like Florida is going to get back to where it belongs under Dan Mullen. Uh, it, you know, it might not happen overnight or in the next couple seasons, but over the next five years, I think it could happen. And then, like you said, there could also be a South Carolina or a Missouri that has a f- flash in the pan season. So, and, you know, just think all it takes is maybe a, a Georgia quarterback to go down with an injury and they can't overcome it. So there's a lot of factors. So I, I say no. All right. Yeah. Jake Fromm goes down. They put in the number one guy, Justin Fields. But no, <laughs> number two. Yeah. Next five years, it is. It's bold. It's bold. That's why I asked you guys to call me crazy. And uh, you obliged. Thank you. <laughs> uh, let's get to our tiered rankings and over under predictions. We will start with the contenders actually there's only one contender in the sec east who's that trey yeah i think it's fair to say that they would be the only contender and it's georgia of course they're over under set at 10 and a half with the over being a slight favorite at minus 115 so before we start though are you guys done ridiculing me of my liking of the the fight song no 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 i've been working on the railroad yeah i mean it's a it's a fine song if you're like four from the night from 1940 or something i don't know (laughs) (laughs) oh wow it's still yeah still a horrible song all right i probably got that timeline extremely wrong but i don't care (laughs) yeah fair enough now as far as the georgia football team it's going to be tough to recreate the magical year that they had last season but they do have a lot going for them at, at this point in time we know recruiting is at its peak the talent pool is already loaded They've got their quarterback returning, and and obviously the East is is fairly weak, at least compared to the West. So I'm interested, though, to see the offense this year. They lose both Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb. They do return DeAndre Swift, who who should step up. Jake Fromm, he does return, but can he really take the next step? As teams that have a full season of film on him now, and they'll be able to see his, they've seen his tendencies. And I'm also curious to see if they're going to mix in five-star Justin Fields in at all, if they're going to kind of give him a series or two, you know, every once in a while. That'll be interesting to see if that if that comes to fruition. The defense, they lose eight starters from the playoff team, including all everything Roquan Smith. And he was one of my favorite players to watch on defense over the last few years. He was the quarterback of the D, so it's going to be a, a big loss right there. But Mel Tucker... Mel Tucker and Kirby Smart, they still have a lot of talent to pull from, but they're not exactly stacked completely on that side this season. Rodrigo Blankenship, who was a clutch kicker, returns, and he (laughs) should be a weapon, so they'll have a solid special teams this season. So all of that said, I think Georgia's going to win the East, but they're going to go 10-2, and so I'll take the under, and I, I don't see them getting back to the playoff. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you here, Troy. I'm gonna take the under on Georgia this year. Um, I'm expecting them just to drop a couple of games. Even though, I mean, they're still going to be really, really good. You got 
they're talented on offense. Their wide receiver unit is arguably the the strongest on their entire team, especially with the addition of uh, Cal transfer Demetrius Robertson. That's a big pickup for them. Yeah, that was huge. Yeah. Uh, And the O-line is good. You know, they got five guys coming back that have starting experience. So, I mean, they're going to be good on that side of the ball for sure. Um, But like Trey mentioned, I think the defense is what's going to take a step back. Um, Losing by far their best player. I don't see how that can't hurt with losing Smith. Um, he was their leading tackler by far. He almost doubled the amount of tackles the next, the second place person had on their team. So that's just a big loss. And they also lose a lot of other contributors, like you mentioned. And I know they're bringing in talented freshmen, um, including like five really highly recruited linebackers, but I can't see freshmen matching the level that defense was playing at last year. And I know they avoid Bama and they do have a pretty soft non-conference slate, but I think there's a couple of trap games. They got South Carolina, LSU, Auburn, Florida, and Mizzou. So those are five tough games that I expect them to drop a couple of them. Yeah, we're all in agreement. I'm going to go under here, but because you guys were were such negative Nancys, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and play devil's advocate while still picking the under. The offense, I mean, it was pretty good last year. It was very good. I think it could be great this year. I mean, there's there's nothing not to like. I don't worry about the loss of the running backs. I know they were great, but the guys they have there are extremely talented. Uh, the receiving core is one of the best in the country, Ryan. We we talk about the the Cal transfer. I agree that the defense will be worse, but they were third in the country in Massey Peabody's rankings last year. So they can afford a slight drop, and they're still going to be one of the top teams in the country. They've got some star power. In the secondary, DeAndre Baker, J.R. Reed, um, maybe a little bit thin back there, but I think some of these freshmen, especially later in the year, are are going to mature and maybe get some playing time early with that new redshirt rule. So maybe the the defense can weather the storm, and you know, by the time they play S- Alabama in the SEC championship, I mean that game might be pretty close to a coin flip. So. All that said, I'm still going under uh, because this might be the last chance for those SEC teams to take their shot at Georgia before they're, you know, close to unbeatable. But let's move on to our dark horses. Ryan, who's the first dark horse? Okay, the Florida Gators. Uh, Their win total is being set at eight and the over is the favorite at minus 130. Dan Mullen's a great hire for the Gators. He's, He's proven himself at a place where it's hard to have success and he did it for nearly a decade. Having said that, I'm not expecting too much from this year's Gators squad. I think it will take a couple of years for him to flip the culture there. Um, it's not saying much, but I, I do think they will be better than last year, though. Uh, they have an absurd amount of returning experience on the offensive line, which is always a great sign. Granted, those guys haven't played at a very high level in the past, but no. experience is experience, and hopefully it'll benefit them. Um, Malik Davis and Jordan Scarlett should prove to be a, a solid duo at running back if they can have decent blocking in front of them. Uh, and that wide receiver unit, I know they lose Callaway, but there are some some talented options there. And they get an uh, Ole Miss transfer, Van Jefferson. So while it won't be elite, it should be okay. But the major question mark is that quarterback. Uh, it appears to be a battle between Felipe Franks and Kyle Trask. Uh, true freshman Emory Jones is there as well, but doesn't appear like he's going to be ready uh, for the season opener. So I personally like Trask to be the guy because Franks was horrible last year. Uh, he finished with a passer rating of 113.3, which was second lowest of all Power 5 quarterbacks. Take a guess who was number one. Oh, no. I'm not even going to dignify that with a response for you. Who? 
just a wild game. Who do you think would be the worst quarterback of all the Power Five? Uh, the best quarterback in the SEC, Kellen Mond. There you go, Trey. Kellen Mond, my boy. <laughs> good work. <laughs> so he's at least better than Mond by a little bit. Oh. So, you know, good for him. I don't know about that. <laughs> so, uh, anyways, with, but without a proven signal caller, uh, I don't think Florida's going to be all that great. Um, I, I don't think they're going to get to nine wins, so I'm going under. All right. Um, I, I like Florida's defense this year. They were obviously very young last year. Uh, the secondary might be the best in the SEC, at least the, the starting unit there. Some good talent on the front seven, too. CC Jefferson at defensive end, Jabari Zuniga. Maybe he'll finally have a breakout season. I know they've been waiting for that. Uh, Adam Schuler comes in as a transfer from West Virginia. So I, I think they'll be pretty good defensively. They, they usually are, despite a, a down year last year. And there, there are some things to like about the offense. You talked about the running backs, Ryan. Uh, another transfer at receiver, Trevon Grimes from Ohio State. Uh, he should be a good weapon. Tyree Cleveland, Kadarius Toney. There's guys for Mullen to work with, but I think the quarterback situation and the offensive line could bring it all down. I know they're all coming back, but <laughs> you you acknowledge they struggled last year. So yeah, uh, I'm going to reach into my old bag of tricks here. There's some things I like, some things I don't like. No. I'm going push. No. Oh, no. no. Wow. <laughs> wow. So this isn't soccer. Uh, <laughs> all right. So... <laughs> I'm I'm like you, Ryan. I'm pretty high on the Dan Mullen hire for for Gators, especially you know considering he he knows Gainesville and he knows the program. But I I just don't see it happening overnight. He needs that dynamic quarterback, and you know we we've touched on how that they don't have that at least at the moment. Now defensively, I think the youth from last year should take a step forward, and they're really going to relish in the the Todd in Todd Grantham's aggressive style. So. The defense, which is traditionally a, a strength at Florida, I think can get back to that level, or at least close to it. Now, looking at their schedule, they only have four true road games because they, of course, played Georgia in uh, in Jacksonville, which is the neutral site. But I still just don't like this team. I'm going to lean under as they they don't have that proven proven passing attack, and it's just not going to threaten the opposing defenses. So even though I'm optimistic. For the future, I see some growing pains this year. All right, I uh, I got a joke for you guys. Okay, what do you call it when you're contemplating how good Florida will be this year? Mulling it over. Ah, should have got that one. Okay. Oh, <laughs> oh, there we go. Yeah. Oh my God. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you so much. Wow. I'll edit out that long pause. Yeah, but I I just didn't get it at first. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Let's move on. Let's move on to our next dark horse, and it is South Carolina. Their over-under is set at seven and a half. Jake Bentley is back at quarterback. He, of course, was one of my man crushes last year. Yeah, you like him. I think he's one of the more underrated players in the country. He did turn the ball over a bit too much last year, but that's just, I think, mostly because he didn't have much help. He was sacked more times than any other SEC quarterback. Uh, Of course, had a dearth of weapons because... Debo Samuel went out very early in the season. So with Samuel coming back this year healthy, I think the offense is going to be much improved. And the O-line is now more experienced with another year under their belts. So I love the offense. The defense will be a little bit worse with all the production they lose. But I trust Will Muschamp on that side of the ball. They usually have at least a decent defense. So I'm going to go over with South Carolina. Yeah, I'm I'm not super high on Will Muschamp, but I'm really bullish on this Gamecock team. 
they they rolled into the offseason on a high after their amazing comeback to beat Michigan in the bowl game. Jake Bentley, he's going to have the weapons. Obviously, you touched on Debo Samuel, but he's also going to have Rico Dowdle, who's who's really going to provide a spark um, to you know what was a fairly average offense last year. So I think they're going to take a, a little bit of a step forward on o- offense. And like you said, Michael, Muschamp's calling card is is defense, and they're really going to need his expertise there because they lose some of those contributors like Sky Moore, who was a stud at linebacker for them. But they they're bringing in a lot of transfers, so if especially in the secondary, so if if the grab bag of of those transfers can mesh, the defense should be just fine. Uh, of course, they're going to beat Georgia this year, like I said earlier. So, uh huh, sure. Course, so yeah. you add that to the win win total, That's and a given. I'm not saying they're going to win the East, but I think they can win nine. They, last year, they won nine games with a pretty lethargic offense and lots of injuries. So I say they go over this season as well. Yeah, I agree with you guys. I like the Gamecocks' chances this year, especially since they avoid Alabama, Auburn, Mississippi State, and LSU from the West. So the top four teams, arguably, from that. That's huge. That's that's it's a it's definitely huge. So uh, I'm going over um, Bentley, Michael, your your man crush. While he might not be a, a Heisman type player, it's blatantly obvious that South Carolina is better when he's in there. When he plays, they they have a record of 13 and seven, but they're just two and four when he's not in there. So He's a difference maker for them, and he's going to be surrounded by solid skill talent, like you guys already mentioned. Uh, six guys back on the line who have starting experience. Um, and I know they lose a handful of contributors from that D, but Muschamp rotated a lot of guys last year, so there's still plenty of guys that have seen snaps before. So I, I think they're going to be pretty good, and I like the Gamecocks to go over. We already got a, uh, a mention of an aggressive defense from Trey with uh, Grantham and, and Florida. Let's, let's talk about South Carolina. They're going to have an up-tempo offense. I don't know if you guys heard that. I don't buy it. Uh, <laughs> you, yeah, you I'm not buy buying it? that. Well, no. that's what they're saying. So That's what well, they're saying. But uh, Well, I mean, know. isn't anything faster than what, they, what they've done recently? So. That's true. Probably. When you describe it as lethargic, that sounds slow. That's a very <laughs> offensive term for an offense. <laughs> they just, just sounds like they just didn't really feel like gaining yards, which, who knows, maybe. Yeah. All right, let's get to a team that certainly does not have a lethargic offense. Uh, who's that, Trey? Missouri. Yeah, Missouri, they're over-under. It's set at 7 with the over-favored at minus 125. Now, Mizzou, they had a pretty remarkable turnaround last season after starting 1-5 and five with their lone win coming against an FCS team. They finished the regular season 6-0, and oh, and even though it was against a, a fairly weak slate, that was it was still an impressive comeback to get to a bowl. Drew Locke returns at quarterback for what should be one of the nation's better offenses. He had an SEC record 44 touchdowns last year. Now, the big change though on offense is they lose offensive coordinator Josh Heupel because he left for the the UCF head job, of course. So Derek Dooley steps in and <laughs> Tennessee fan, Tennessee fans out there are <laughs> laughing. Yeah, this is weird. But uh, Emmanuel Hall returns at wideout, and he averaged almost 14 yards per target. Per target, not just per catch. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's it is. It's crazy. Now the defense, though, it's it's almost impossible to gauge. They were pathetic against good teams, but then they were stellar against the bad teams last season. You've got tackle Terry Beckner Jr. returns, and he proved to be a force for the Tigers down the stretch. They'll need a lot of youth, though, to step up in order for the defense to be effective this year. 
So I'm going to say they go over the total as outside of the games against Georgia and Alabama, they have a chance to win every other game. So I like the over. I agree with you, Trey, that I'm going over, but let's listen to this five-week stretch. It's got to be one of the tougher five-week stretches for any team. Oh. At Purdue, against Georgia, at South Carolina, at Alabama, and then against Memphis. So, you know, if you can get through that two and three, that's that's definitely not so bad for, for Missouri. Um, but I think not even Derek Dooley, Trey, can screw up this offense. They're, <laughs> they're going to be really good. Uh, Jamon Moore at receiver is about the only loss they have, uh, important loss they have on that side of the ball. So offense is great. And there are at least a few pieces on the defense to work with. You mentioned Terry Beckner on the D-line. They also got a, a Texas transfer at D-tackle, Jordan Elliott. So he might have a, an immediate impact. Former Longhorn, right? That, that's what I just said, Ryan. I just said that. Oh, I didn't hear you say Longhorn. Sorry, Mike. <laughs> well, I said Texas. Texas. Oh, well, you didn't say Longhorn then. Oh, good, good point. Very good addition, <laughs> Ryan. All right. So I like Therese Hall. He's a Tiger. Uh, he's a, a linebacker. He plays for the Missouri Tigers, Ryan. Okay. Oh. Wow. Okay. Um, In Columbia? In Columbia, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Any more details? <laughs> Columbia, Missouri, not Columbia, South yeah, Carolina. Exactly. All right. Anyway, my point is, I think the defense... Maybe they can go from, you know, awful to not so awful. Maybe they'll be <laughs> mediocre. It's all they might need. Either way, I'm going over. Okay. Um, I agree with you guys. I'm going to go over here on, on uh, Mizzou. There's really only one game to me on their schedule where I don't think they can win, and that's at Alabama. Um, I think they are capable of beating Georgia at home. Um, Trey, if you think South Carolina can beat Georgia, then I think Mizzou is, is capable of doing it as well. Um, Drew Locke is arguably the best returning QB in the nation. Uh, Mackenzie Milton is the only returning QB who had a higher passer rating than Locke did. Um, so he's obviously very good. Um, you guys didn't mention they might have the best tight end in the country. Um, Al- yeah. Albert. There's a reason we didn't mention him. Yeah, I'm going to say it. I'm going to do it. Aku- Akue Bunam. I don't know. They, they call it Alberto, I just say. There you go. Alberto, I think they say. So he had 11 touchdowns. That's the most in, in a, for a tight end in the country. So their offense is great. Defense improved at the end of last year. I like their linebacking core with Lee, Garrett, and Hall. Um, they do have experience in the middle of that defensive line. So their, their question marks are defensive end and safety. Um, and if they get average play from those spots, I think it's going to be a solid D. So um, I think they're going to do enough to get to eight going over. All right, let's move on to our long shots. Ryan, who is our first long shot? All right, Tennessee, the Volunteers, their win total is being set at five and a half, and the over is the the favorite at minus 125 there. Uh, it's looking like it's going to be another rough year, I think, in Knoxville. Schedule is brutal. Uh, they play West Virginia to start the year. That's going to be a tough game. Uh, and then they draw Alabama and Auburn from the West. So that was... Is that bad? It's not good. It's not good. Uh, so it's an uphill battle for them to get to bowl eligibility for sure. Uh I do like the hire of Tyson Helton uh, to be the offensive coordinator there, the younger brother of uh, Clay Helton, of course, Michael's boy, but not really. Yep, love him. (laughs) Uh, He's had a good track record at Western Kentucky and USC. Um, So the quarterback battle there appears to be between uh, Jarrett Garantano and Stanford grad transfer Keller Christ. Right now, it's looking like Garantano is the leader there. He completed 62% of his pass attempts last year, so there is some promise, uh, but only if they can keep him upright. The Vols were one of the worst teams in the nation in giving up sacks, but 
that should improve uh, with a more experienced line coming back. I like their wide receiver core. Jawan Jennings, Brandon Johnson, and Marquez Calloway are a, a good trio. Uh, the offense might be okay overall, but they just don't have any true, true playmakers. And while I think the defense might get a little bit better this year, I still have to go under on the Vols. You know, I, I, you know, Jawan Jennings is pretty good. I, I, th- I like him on the outside. Now it's just a matter of getting him the ball. Yeah, they also have a stud on the offensive line, Trey Smith. He he's their left tackle. He's going to be able to protect protect whichever quarterback is is at the controls. But overall, with Tennessee, I'm I cannot wait to see how their twentieth choice for head coach turns out. <laughs> that that head coaching search seems like forever ago. It ah, yeah, it really does. But it wasn't a good situation there, and. I, I just uh, I'm not super high on on Pruitt. I know they're trying to go the route of you know get the Alabama guy like Kirby Smart, but you know maybe it pans out. I I have nothing against Tennessee. I kind of want to see them rise back up, but I'm just not seeing it here in the near term. The defense, you you, you touched a little bit on the offense, Ryan. I'll touch a little bit more on the defense. They lose their top three corners, and that's really not a good recipe when you're going to go up against the offenses of West Virginia, Georgia, Auburn, and Mizzou. So I'm I'm really not optimistic overall on Tennessee as a whole, no matter who the signal caller is, and I just don't trust Pruitt in year one, especially at the with a stretch where they have that brutal slate. So I'm going under as well. I'm gonna make it a clean sweep. I'm also going under on Tennessee. Uh Trey, you bring up Trey Smith, you gotta love him at left tackle, but the rest of the O line is just, you know, a whole bunch of question marks and inexperience. So I think that could be the undoing of the offense in addition to the quarterbacks. I don't really like either of them too much. So not personally, I'm sure they're great guys, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yeah. And then the defense, you know, there's just not a ton of playmakers there either. So with that schedule, I'm going to go under. Let's move on to our last. Oh no. Second to last. Sorry, Vanderbilt. (laughs) We're still going to talk about you later. (laughs) Kentucky. Their season win total is set at five and a half. I think Kentucky's going to make another bowl game this year. I'm going over. Uh, the defense was not very good last year, but I think it should be really improved. The back eight has seven seniors returning that are all projected to start. They've got some star power there with Josh Allen at linebacker, the better Josh Allen, and then uh, <laughs> the, the not trash Josh Allen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Thanks, Jalen. Thanks, Jalen. <laughs> and then uh, Mike Mike Edwards, you know, maybe even better at safety. Uh, and then I'm optimistic about the offense, too. It's all about Benny Snell at running back. 1,300 yards and 19 touchdowns last year. Most of his O-line's back, so should have a good running game. The big question, of course, is quarterback. No one on the roster has uh, played a snap of, of F- FBS football at quarterback. There's three candidates in the mix, but I think more realistically, it's just two guys. Gunnar Hoke, pro-style guy. He's been with the program for three years. Maybe he's the slight favorite. But another intriguing guy is dual-threat Juco transfer who had some big-time offers coming out of junior college, Terry Wilson. So between those two guys, I think one of them will at least be decent and be good enough with the the running game to get them to six wins. I disagree. I'm leaning towards the under on Kentucky. Uh, I well, think, you're wrong. Well, we'll find out. <laughs> I think they've been pretty fortunate the last couple of years. Uh, they've won a lot of close games. Plus, I think the loss of Steven Johnson at quarterback is going to hurt. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't he wasn't amazing by any stretch, but I mean, he was a solid player. He limited the mistakes, and he could keep plays alive with his legs. Um, that's something Gunnar Hoke 
who's maybe the leader in the clubhouse right now, he's he's not able to do that. He can't really run. So take that element away from the the Kentucky offense, and I just I don't I'm not buying into the hype there. Have they'll have a great offense. I know Terry Wilson is there, but there's definitely some questions about his passing ability as well. So Benny Snell is amazing. It's definitely true, but I don't think he can carry um, a below-average offense on his back. So um, I'm going to go under here on uh, on Kentucky. All right, I I disagree. I'm I'm a little more optimistic on Kentucky, but I will say that Mark Stoops should be donating part of his salary to Coach Calipari because. If there, if Kentucky's beloved hoops team wasn't succeeding, Stoops wouldn't be getting such a long leash, in my opinion. Hmm. You know, it, okay. it might not be fair. It, it's not an easy place to win for football, but I just feel like there's been it's been somewhat underachievement uh, there. But I am back to the optimism of of Kentucky this specific season. I'm a huge Benny Snow guy, like you guys are. He's one of the more exciting players to watch, and I still will never understand his ejection in the bowl game last year. If you guys remember that against Northwestern, that was <laughs> yeah, that was so bizarre, so dumb. Uh, so hopefully, having him though should open up the passing game for whoever's at quarterback. And that really hasn't been a, a strength for them. Uh, the defense it slipped each of the last three seasons, but they're not going to have many excuses if it falls this year, as they return over ninety or almost ninety percent of their production. So at, and that's Stoops calling card. So he needs that unit to to improve. So I'm gonna have some faith. I'm gonna go over and say they get bull eligible. All right. This is the last team in all of our previews. We've gone through every conference. If you haven't listened to them, wow. go back and listen to all of our division previews. But Trey, we saved the best for last. Who is it? <laughs> the Commodores, <laughs> Vanderbilt. They're over under set at four and a half, with the under being the favorite at minus one twenty. So pretty much ever since the bros can remember, we've we've grown accustomed to Vandy having a pretty poor offense. <laughs> and one thing that was interesting to me to learn in reading about Vanderbilt is that they haven't had a top 50 offense since 1987. Not, e- not even hey, the years the year I was born. All right. Not even the years with, with Jay Cutler did they get over the hump. Hmm. So they do have a chance, though, this year to get there with Kyle Shermer leading the show. He's going to have an experienced offensive line. He's got an Illinois transfer at running back in Keyshawn Vaughn. Oh, Illinois transfer. Nice. I know. That guy's actually pretty solid, Keyshawn Vaughn. (laughs) Pretty good. Boomer bust. He's a boomer bust kind of guy. Yeah, he is. Fair. He is. They have a great target in Kalijah Lipscomb. So I'm pretty comfortable on the offensive side. Now, defensively, they return the disruptive Odeingbo brothers, as as, as well as Jordan Griffin, who he's a very solid inside linebacker and their outside linebacker, Charles Wright. He had nine sacks last year and he's back as well. So they have a lot of key pieces and some contributors back, but overall depth is probably the concern there. But I think Vandy does just enough to get over four and a half wins. Yeah. I'm going to say over as well on Vandy. Um, I'm pretty high on them, you know, by Vandy standards, that is, um, I think Kyle Shermer is arguably the best quarterback in the conference. Um, I, arguably, I said, Mike, arguably. Hey, no, I'm, yeah, that's okay. okay. Just, just saying. I, <laughs> um, I just didn't, I was looking at your face. That was why I made that queasy face. So, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. I get it now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, he's great. He's, he's, uh, he, he'll be behind an offensive line that will return a lot of experience. Trey mentioned Keyshawn Vaughn, but they get another transfer at wide receiver. Former Ohio State Buckeye Alex Stump, um, 
So I think they have a chance to be a, a solid offense, which is very rare at Randy Vandy. Um, you mentioned a lot of players on their defense, Trey, but I didn't hear you mention um, their cornerback, uh, Jawan Williams. He's a legit number one corner. He's a great player. Um, there are some other question marks in the secondary besides besides him, uh, but I think they'll do just enough um, to be solid on that side of the ball. And I'm actually going to say Vandy will far exceed expectations and make a bowl game. Going wow. S- saying they get to six. Wow. Yeah. I am much lower on Vanderbilt than you guys. I think they're going four and eight. I think they're going to go one and seven in the SEC again. I like Kyle Shermer, but that's about it. That's about all I like on the offense. Um, and then the defense, it gave up 43.3 points per game last year in SEC play. And they only bring back four starters. So I just, I don't see where this big improvement's going to come. Um, and that's why I'm going under. And Derek Mason, if they do go four and eight, he's going to have a very, very hot seat. Well, they went they went five and seven last year, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I believe they did. So, you know, yeah, <laughs> they can do it. <laughs> they can. We'll see. They can do it. <laughs> All right, let's move on. We're done with our previews. Let's move on to the hot seat. And Ryan, it is your turn to be in our final hot seat of the off season. All right, cool. First question: Who is the most underrated player? in the division i'm gonna say nigel warrior he's a safety for tennessee obviously he didn't get a whole lot of publicity last year for playing such a bet on a bad team but uh it wasn't his fault he had 83 tackles a few pass breakups three forced fumbles and a pick um and he's he's one of the better dvs in the conference but uh fortunately he plays for a below average team all right ryan who is the best running back in the sec east oh we've definitely already mentioned him but i gotta go with benny snell from kentucky um, he's not quite nationally known like he should be because he plays for Kentucky, but <laughs> Michael already mentioned his stats. He had 1,300 yards, 19 touchdowns, which led the SEC, so there's no reason to think uh, he won't have another really good year for, for Kentucky. If you were an athletic director and Dan Mullen and Kirby Smart were off, off limits, which SEC East head coach would be your first choice? This was a tough one, but I'll reluctantly say Barry Odom from Missouri. Uh, Mizzou was 1-7 and seven in the SEC play the year before he got there, and now he's got them fighting for that second spot behind Georgia in the East. Um, I mean, it's a really close call. You know, you could say uh, some other guys will must champ, um, but I just I think uh, I'm just going to stick with Odom here. All right. Besides Georgia, if you were going to college right now as a student, which East school would you want to attend? I would probably say Florida. Florida. Uh, you know, there's a lot of um, talent down there in Florida. <laughs> they got a lot of great students. So uh, I'd probably want to be a Gator. So Trey, you're you're just you're just counting out. You think Georgia is just the clear number one there? I, personally, I mean, <laughs> I mean, fine. Open it up. I'll open up Georgia. But I would think that that would be the school you'd want to attend. Oh man, we are gonna have some listeners right in. <laughs> Got some Florida well, fans listening. Vanderbilt wouldn't be too bad either. It's such a great academic school. Yeah, Vanderbilt. Yeah, academically. Yeah, yeah right. And Nashville. It's a, yeah. yeah. So. All right. Well, good job, Ryan. You survived. Thank you. Let's get to our SEC championship picks. Trey, who you got? All right. All these championship picks, I I, I feel like I'm just going too chalk. So I, I know. It, me too. It's I, tough, though. It's tough. It, it really is. I don't have the guts to put South Carolina over Georgia for the division. So I got to say Alabama, 
beats Georgia. Now, this this rivalry, though, should be really fun to watch in the coming years. You have to think that these two are going to be up against each other consistently. Yep, yep. I'm going the same thing. I'm boring. Alabama over Georgia. I think this is right up there with Clemson against Miami as the the most likely conference championship game. One thing I hope does not happen, though, is that they both come into this game undefeated because I think if they do, there's a decent chance then the game doesn't matter, right? I mean, they both might already be into the playoff no matter what. So we'll see. Okay, I guess I'm going to be the only one going out on a limb here. Um, I will take Georgia from the east, but I'm going to go with Auburn from the west. Wow. All right. Yep. Yep. Jared Stidham coming back. I like him. And I just want, you know, I want it. I want it to happen. So I'll, so I'll pick it to happen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't want to see Alabama there. Um, so yeah, I'm going to say Auburn versus Georgia. And I'm going to say Auburn wins the title. All right. Let's close out the episode with a questionable finish. New Tennessee head coach Jeremy Pruitt had an embarrassing moment years ago on the MTV show Two-A-Days when he admitted that he did not know what asparagus was. What's something you're embarrassed to admit that you used to not know? Recently, well, I don't know how recent it was, but I didn't know that a raisin was a dried grape. It's not great. Huh? It's not great. No, I did I Count me in that group too, Mike, Trey. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We just learned something on the podcast today. (laughs) All right. We're teaching people. (laughs) So mine is that we grew up in the state of Washington, but I didn't realize that the Washington State Cougars logo spelled out WSU until like seventh grade. You know what? I remember that. I think I was the one that exposed you to that. It might have been. I remember it vividly being around seventh grade, but I don't quite remember who told me. That was mind-blowing then. (laughs) It was. It really was. (laughs) All right. Um, Mine, probably a little more embarrassing. Um, I didn't know how to do laundry until I was about 18 years old. Oh, no. That's not great. Well, you know, I mean, we we had a very good mom that always took care of it for us. She Um, did. She did. She did. Vanderbilt quarterback Kyle Shermer is a very good player surrounded by a mediocre supporting cast. Which player in college football history epitomized the term one-man show the best? Well, I'm glad I'm going first here because I feel like this one's going to be obvious. Um, But Barry Sanders to me. I mean, I I actually watched a replay of one of his games against Nebraska. I think it was in 88. Um, and he just, he was so good. He carried that team. I, Gundy was their quarterback, and I, Gundy just did not look good. Maybe it was just because he was playing Nebraska, but that was just, he did not look good at all. Did he have his mullet then? Oh, I don't know. It was under his helmet, so I'm not sure, but <laughs> probably, probably. Okay, Barry Sanders is a good one. Lamar Jackson, I thought about uh, a recent one, but at least Louisville was, you know, good before he got there. So I'm going to go with Dan Lefevre. Central Michigan Whoa. quarterback Whoa. from 2006 to 2009, led the team in passing and rushing in his final three seasons there. And the team just, you know, he carried the team. They haven't been the same, you know, they weren't the same before or after he was there. Wow. Wow. I like that one, Mike. Thank you. Wow. Ryan, you touch on Barry Sanders. Uh, the, the bro's dad always talks about how Barry Sanders was such a talent in Stillwater. So that was a good pick. You know, I was thinking of a few, you know, Cam Newton led Auburn to the title when they were nothing much under Gene Chizik prior to that. But the one that comes to mind, and and this isn't just because I'm a Nebraska fan, but Eric Crouch, 
he he won the Heisman with fairly weak talent around him, as we ended up finding out, kind of after the the Crouch regime. They he masked a lot of issues. Yep, he did. Last question: Name someone that would receive a warmer welcome than Dan Mullen will get when leading Florida into Starkville on September 29th. I'll start, and I'll say that uh, Brett McMurphy would likely receive a warmer welcome on a hardcore Buckeyes message board. <laughs> wow, it's hard to believe. Yeah, Mike. That's, that's that's fair to say. You know, it's weird though, because personally, I think they should cheer for Dan Mullen and ring their cowbells for him. Yeah, he gave them he gave them some thrills. But, but to answer this question, and sticking with the college football theme, I think it would be if Harvey, Harvey Updike walked onto Toomer's corner with his Alabama gear on. Yeah, that would wow. not be great. No. Roll damn tide. <laughs> um, I'm going to say Jalen Ramsey would get a better welcome at uh, the Josh Allen's house. Ooh. Very recent there, but yeah. Jalen Ramsey wouldn't get welcomed very well at anywhere, it seems like. I mean, <laughs> no, no. He's talking trash about everybody. He really was. Um, all right. Well, that'll do it for our SEC preview, and that'll do it for all of our conference previews. If you enjoyed them, we would really appreciate if you give us a five-star review in your podcast app. And again, next week, we're doing a mailbag episode. So when you're listening to this over the weekend, send your questions on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, email, or preferably, give us a call on our voicemail line at 260-CFB-BROS. We will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the College Football Bros. If you have any questions for the next podcast, email them to collegefootballbros at gmail.com. To keep up with the brothers on social media, like them on Facebook at College Football Bros. Follow them on Instagram at College Football Bros. And for their commentary on Saturdays, follow them on Twitter at CFB Bros. Thanks for listening.